Welcome to the Back to Back Films podcast, where we cover the things you never knew you wanted to know about movies. I'm your host, Keith. This is B. Ryan, a.k.a. Byron. Oh, oh. he changed it. He changed yes. it. I don't know what to say. Jacob. After, after, <laughs> after 53 episodes. I had to do it, it just to... I can't just, believe it. Just to throw Jacob off. <laughs> totally worked. Uh, that's awesome. <laughs> All right, so this week we're doing part two of Andre Tarkovsky and his... And we're going to be talking about more about... Let me start that over. We're going to talk more about his idea of dramatic unity, which is sort of, uh, he had a filmmaking shift about halfway through his filmography, so we'll kind of get into that. Uh, the first film is Stalker, released in 1979. A guide leads two men through an area known as The Zone to find a room that grants wishes. Stalker was written by, uh, and I'm going to butcher all these names again, uh, Arkady Strugatsky and Boris Strugatsky, and it was directed by Tarkovsky. It stars Alyssa Freindlich, uh, Alexander Kadenovsky, Anatoly Solonitsyn, and Nikolai Grinko. Our second film is our, uh, Tarkovsky's final film, which is The Sacrifice, released in 1986. At the dawn of World War III, a man searches for a way to restore peace to the world and finds he must give something in return. The Sacrifice stars Erlen Josephson, Susan Fleetwood, Alan Edwall, Guaron, G- uh, Gisladotter, Sven Walter, Valerie Moresi, and Philippa Franzen. Uh, all right. So I know Jacob's got some stuff to talk about in terms of dramatic unity, but I kind of wanted to cover these couple of things real quick. So, like I mentioned, that Tarkovsky sort of had this split in his filmography where uh, the first first films up to Solaris uh, essentially were a little more linear and a little... Uh, the way he developed his filmmaking um, was, I guess, more straightforward, for lack of a better term. And from the mirror on, it became more about the poetic nature of cinema. Um, so it's important to point out, and then especially with the sacrifice and nostalgia, those are different because they were post-Soviet Union yeah. Tarkovsky, which is even different than you know <laughs> post-Solaris Tarkovsky, yeah. I guess, uh, because nostalgia was a split uh, Italy. It was what? Italy? I think it was Italy, partially uh, Partial of it's in, like, uh, the Ukraine, I think. Okay, so, think. okay, yeah. Um, and then, but yeah, mostly mo- Italian. Most of it's in Italy, yeah. Yeah. And as a literal, almost a literal title in that it comes from his nostalgia for Russia and wanting to return. And The Sacrifice is, a, again, sort of a literal title in the sense that it's his sort of farewell letter saying like yeah i gave up so much because i had to pursue this craft of filmmaking yeah uh and essentially sacrificed friends and family for it um and he was like literally in pain when he was making the movie because he was dying yeah yeah he was actually in the process of dying and died shortly thereafter Um, and the sacrifice also is important because it was after he found out that uh, nostalgia was shafted out of the Palme d'Or due to the Soviet Union, yeah, <laughs> which uh, solidified 
um, his exile. So my next question was, you know, why did you live in exile? Well, it's because the Soviet Union, he was, he was struggling with them early on because there was a script he was, he was trying to make for a film, or he was trying to make a film, and I guess there's a process where you have to submit the script to, uh, there's a, it starts with a G, the, the, the department of, you know, whatever, and your film has to essentially match the script. Well, he specifically designed the script to uh, exclude a lot of things. <laughs> They found out that in his filmmaking, after about a year into it or whatever, that it was different than the script. They shafted him. He destroyed that film and basically left the country. And the Soviet Union kind of never looked at him the same, so they shafted nostalgia out of the Palme d'Or, which, you know, nostalgia was about the longing of going back to Russia. I mean, that's kind of almost the literal plot of it. So um, It's so crazy that he, like, burned the footage. Just, you know, know like right? it, it's it's that I I think that says a lot about him. The he, you know, and this is why I feel like a lot of filmmakers look at him as one of the greatest because if you compare his actions and reactions and the type of person he is and his dedication to film as an art, it tends to match more of these way more out there like painters yeah, yeah. who were willing to destroy <laughs> their own works of art and right. like took art so seriously that you know any anything that hurt art hurt yeah, them yeah you know it's, and it's like beyond perfectionism in a way yeah it's a it's a different way of thinking <laughs> about it so you know to me i think that's a it's that's the reason why you look at like any paintings at a museum because you're like wow this person's dedication to this yeah. was way more extreme than anyone else's yeah and you know they their life was turmoil and strife and destruction with some creation you know and that's what tarkovsky was but with film yeah Mm -hmm. Uh, so it's it's interesting so sacrifice was made in sweden um because he just he said fuck you soviet union like we're not and he he loved the landscape that ingmar bergman used and it was shot on the same island that ingmar bergman had shot a lot of his films on right so he he kind of was it was almost another like homage to his well he like, used the same cinematographer who yeah. was bergman's lifelong cinematographer yeah, and some of the same best. actors yeah. yeah yeah and erland uh josephson, josephson. Mm-hmm. um yeah so yeah so they became kind of intertwined oddly enough because him and bergman had so much respect for each yeah. other's films yeah especially bergman you know bergman says tarkovsky is like one of the best if not the best yeah and, and tarkovsky said that um a critic told him that gave him like notes basically saying this is what you need to do mm-hmm. to make the film this film better or whatever i forget which film it was now yeah but he's like it was stalker oh, okay it was stalker and he's like yeah uh i only i don't care about what you think i only care about what Bergman and Brisson think. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, I, there's only two opinions I care yeah. about. Yeah, uh, and that's and Bergman was one of them. Yeah. So because the critic was telling him that the beginning was way too slow mm. for for yep. that. He was like, "You get you get why it's like too slow though, right?" He's like trying to convince him. <laughs> you know, it's pretty funny. And I, and just and he said that because. Or uh, Tarkovsky said that because he's like the beginning is so slow, so that the people who came into the wrong theater left before yeah. the important yeah. you know yeah. parts of the film. 
Um, right, and, to make sure they can get out because they walked into the wrong movie. <laughs> which is crazy because, like, the beginning of Stalker is great. Like, I mean, I don't... You know, when you watch Stalker, at least to me, it's like I was just, like, immediately, like, enthralled. Yeah. Like, you know, the beginning is... And the music and stuff. Yeah. Imme- immediately yeah. kind of transport. Yeah, transports you there. Yeah. Um, so it's important to make this... Because Tarkovsky's... His, his filmography is very artistic, and it's very much like... Those, you know, the artist, I can't remember who it was, but the guy who went through the red period and the blue period, yeah, you know, yeah. and like people who have these movements in their lifetime and their art reflects this movement. Yeah, like that's Tartosky. Drastic changes. Yeah. Yeah. And then they'll like literally destroy every single thing that they had done before. Exactly. Just so that yeah. they could focus on the new stuff. And it's like, take me seriously, goddammit. And it's mm-hmm. like, oh shit. <laughs> yeah. That's actually a really good comparison. I hadn't thought of that. That's like I almost immediately. Well, because yeah. I also did a little bit of art history, like in school, just kind of looking at it. And I've been always artists are interesting yeah. people because you know art is. You know, we always I always go back and forth. And like, does art matter? Whatever, yeah. you know, like that type of thing. But it, it, I think it, in more than one way, he's he is the artistic filmmaker. I think. Yeah, I mean, like, and you look at his images, and they are like paintings. Exactly. In a way. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, the sacrifice has like a five-minute opening, yeah. the credits of a painting. Yeah, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Like, Plus, like his images, like they're on screen so long, you you begin to realize their like value as as more like a painting. You yeah, know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. Exactly. Because it's not about like the simplicity of the image; it's about like the depth of of the image. You know? I mean, yeah. normally in cinema, you're like. You, all you want is enough to understand like what is going on you know yeah. that's all you need in in many many films but in yeah. his it's like let's appreciate the like really specific finer details of of this image that i'm giving you because like I mean, solaris is like 160 minutes long or something like that and there's 140 something cuts in the film yeah so like that's almost an average shot length of a minute yeah and some of the like like, some of those edits in there because i knew that going in and there's like a couple scenes that are really quickly edited yeah you know so so uh, i wonder what like the mean length is for yeah for those shots and then it's so drastically different when you look at stock i mean even stalker the shots get longer and the sacrifice is like i mean you better be ready to sit there stare at a shot for like 10 minutes (laughs) my god yeah Um, i was bitching about the angel way long ago when we were youngins you know when the podcast was first coming (laughs) when it first started uh but my god (laughs) my god yeah it's (laughs) so long his and that's the thing is like this this past two weeks the only movies i've watched are tchaikovsky's movies and i mean even my you know my girlfriend you you think you're dying you it's it's (laughs) She tend okay. My girlfriend tends to watch every movie that I watch for this podcast too, and she, it, she watched the first two, and then I ended up kind of watching Stalker by myself, and then like started to watch The Sacrifice and just so much other stuff going on. Like couldn't sit down to watch yeah. it, so I ended up watching him by myself, and like you know even she kind of lost interest in it because unless you're invested in what they're saying and have the patience, to like I mean I watched Stalker. Oh, here, I'll be honest. I watched Stalker in three parts. I watched part of it, stopped, yeah, watched yeah, part of it, stopped. Yeah. I had to watch The Sacrifice in two parts um, just because it's so <laughs> demanding. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and I'm glad I did it with The Sacrifice because The Sacrifice, the last 10 minutes of The Sacrifice are some of the, I mean, some of the greatest cinema ever made, yeah, honestly. Cool. 
sure. and talking about a painting like the the burning house image when they're like when the family runs over and the mom is like lay, or sitting in the water and they all run over and it just kind of sits there yeah. right before it cuts like that's a painting yeah that's an actual yeah. painting you know and like the sky is like blown out but in a good way yep. you know yeah. it like works the way they yeah. def- the way they made it so oh it's yeah he's very his you could take screenshots of his films and put them in a museum yeah. or you know have his films playing 24 7 in a museum and yeah, it would make installation, sense yeah. next to everything else yeah. oh that um, would actually be really good to it'd be really interesting yeah yeah so the next thing is, what shift did he make? Well, the shift he made is in this idea of the dramatic unities, which Jacob will tell us all about right now. Yeah, so just to preface this, I know literally everything about everything, so this is going to be pretty easy for me to explain as a <laughs> smart person. Um, <laughs> anyhow, I, I totally I had to look this up because I didn't know what they were, um, in all honesty. Um, but dramatic unities, they come from... Uh, Aristotle, technically, uh, it, they come from his book Poetics. However, Aristotle doesn't even talk about the dramatic unities. Uh, the dramatic unities came from an interpretation of Aristotle's book in Poetics. Um, so in Aristotle's book Poetics, he s- talks about epic poetry and imitative arts and kind of stage plays. Uh, and this is all coming from Greek drama. Uh, and he, he's basically just kind of remarking on the general idea of duration and form of the plays. And he doesn't really suggest any rules for it at this point. Um, however, later on, the French, God forbid you, the French, um, <laughs> are the in, French. in the Middle Ages, they uh, kind of derive the idea of the dramatic unity from Aristotle's like uh, uh, brief chats about you know epic poetry and imitative arts. And these unities are... Unity of action, unity of time, and unity of place. So, unity of action is suggesting that a play should have one action that it follows with minimal subplots. Unity of time. You could replace play with plot, and it would, it's more, you know what I'm saying? Like, Aristotle's talking about plays, obviously, but if you replace it with plot, it still makes the same sense. Right. And, yeah, yeah, this this all came from plays, because obviously they didn't have films films back then yeah. um, but you could in theory like you could apply these to movies but however the like people j- just didn't really um but i'll get into that into a second um so the unity of time uh says that the action in a play should occur over a period of no more than 24 hours and then the last one is unity of place a play should exist in a single physical space and should not attempt to compress geography nor should the stage represent more than one place. Obviously, we've all seen a play before, and all plays break all these rules pretty much. <laughs> yeah. Like, like, there's always a subplot. There's always, uh, nor- like, normally plays going over 24 hours, you know, like, just having the intermission in between. Sometimes I'll jump ahead into the future or jump ahead back into the past. Um, but we got to look at this through the eyes of people in the Middle Ages. Like, they, they don't have the uh, same complex... Uh, storytelling minds that 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 we have, you know, and you know the Greeks were notorious for being very smart story uh, storytellers and like I- I- engaging in story in really interesting way. I mean, if if you take any kind of Greek drama class, um, you can learn all about that stuff. But it's still like not as uh, like smart as we are today. Like the the language of stories is just 
grown and changed. Um, and also the technology. So things like unity of action, you know, like we're able to kind of follow subplots still like a little bit better. And the unity of time, like we're able to understand time jumps a lot more. And that also comes with the technology that has, that film has offered and that just stages have, have offered, you know, like with Mm -hmm. projection, you can totally change the place in an instant. Yep. Um, or the time and there, there's no need for like that that awkward like space where you have to like switch all the set pieces around uh, because it's like really it's a lot easier to, to kind of move stuff around so anyways that that's kind of the, the general idea and these unities it's it are not meant to be like rules for a playwright or a filmmaker they're mostly just like here's the easiest way to get a play out the gate for the audience to understand yeah you know? it's like and trying for to, the boil audience to kind of enjoy trying to like boil down to the basics essentially yeah yeah like boil to the basics and they're just like like if you're gonna break the unity of place like have like a good reason for it and if you can do it quickly then do it quickly you know but that's when like films come when film came you could just cut to a new location right away you know you could i mean you still need that moment of like establishing the the location and sometimes you can break that idea too um so yeah, it's just kind of interesting how this thing is normally like put on plays to like look at plays and kind of analyze plays, but not it's not really like as important for films, especially when Tarkovsky was a filmmaker. I agree, and that's what really drives me to film over plays because I've always been more interested in the fact that film is more free. Like, yeah. the play is always stuck to the stage. It's always stuck to a set physical location where all the actors are and yeah. the audience is, you know. Same distance the from same those distance, people. The same angles. You're always looking at it from one of the, you know, you're, you're always the fourth wall, right? Where film is like, I can take the camera and move it wherever the hell yeah. I want. It's a language. Yeah. Yeah. yeah the film, the, ling- the camera um, is your tool to exactly language it's yeah and like yeah that's no disrespect to plays because i think playmakers play you know directors and actors are very creative and very talented it's just not where my interest yeah it's lies. a whole other ballpark really it is it, yeah. it is yeah because like acting on stage you know you got to be a little more dramatic you know you got to have like bigger facial expressions so everyone can see you you know but film it's like the total opposite it's like all right let's do an extreme close-up yeah I, all i want is just your mustache to move a like half an inch like yeah. even less yeah. like a, a quarter yeah. of a centimeter you know uh but none of that shit you can read on on stage but well. then you look at films like the sacrifice and the sacrifice is clearly a play like it's hard to, i mean it's film in the sense that it he's able to paint these like these essentially paintings or pictures right and have these wide wider shots of all the people and wider shots of the landscape but when it comes to the people in the house it plays out like a play even how they're staged in yeah. the frame yeah maybe like because like. it's it it kind of it's more of like wide a lot of wide shots you exactly know? um but yeah, I, I think you're probably right. I think this could be a play, but then, um, but then you're not getting like the the difference of the the color. You're not getting the certainly the, the cutaways and like all that stuff. And I, I feel like that's like really important in uh, understanding this film. I just think his his approach to the dialogue sequences. He was very much of the mindset of play. 
You know, just the way that people exist in a frame and the way that the camera kind of tracks over with some people, but it never, like, you know, there's only a couple of, like, close-up shots. They're not even really close-ups. They're just, like, medium close-up shots. Yeah. You know? But most of it is, like, four people exist yeah. in the frame yeah. all the time. And they're talk and they're talking like crazy. That's the difference between plays and movies too. Is plays you have to be talking to like really maintain uh, long term interest in so- in in the show that's happening. Action's cool, but like you know, plays. If you read a, a play, it's all dialogue. There's yeah. no action because people <laughs> develop the action as they go. Where film, like a, a film screenplay has lots of action because there's like specifics that you have to capture in shots to make sense to to have the audience give or give the audience the ability to make sense of what's happening right um so you have to say certain actions because you have to shoot those actions i would disagree with plays need to be all about dialogue because there's certain elements in plays where it's like like there's like a dance number, you know, or um, there's always you know. exceptions to it. But if you read like yeah. Shakespeare or you read Peer Gint or like you know any major like classical play that they make you read in school, it's dialogue. It's dialogue, and there's it's, yeah, there's sure, occasional it's like dialogue action. forward. There's like yeah. specific actions that they have to take that make sense for the plot. You know, like like yeah. when Brutus stabs. Caesar, basically, yeah, like <laughs> that has to be written in there, right? But, but like, it's all it's dialogue. It's, it's mostly dialogue. dialogue. No, I, yeah, I guess I, I guess you're right. Um, um, I, and, yeah, I just wanted to point out that it's not just about the. I mean, for me, it's 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 not just the there's exceptions to language it, for you know? sure. Like there's like dream sequences and um, there's you know ballet things and tap dancing like, yeah, there's totally. like all these other kind of visual things you can do that are really interesting that are totally worth exploring totally on uh, on stage like i saw anastasia when i went to new york and the the whole opening there was very minimal dialogue it was very um moody it was all about like the lighting and they had just this score behind it and they had this if you've ever seen the beginning of anastasia they basically redid the opening scene without any dialogue and just had like this really um vi- like visual like they con- like not contorted their bodies but they like had their bodies and like really interesting like pulling yeah. motions and they were like pulling each other and it was just like really um really nice and you could get away with a lot of that stuff on on stage uh while on film i'm not sure if something like that would really read as much yeah totally and i think you know obviously i'm oversimplifying it right plays are way more complex than what i'm getting credit for currently and so is film Uh, but just to kind of like settle on a comparison i guess like film this sacrifice specifically is like very much like it's if you're not paying attention to the dialogue of the sacrifice you're gonna miss the whole film because there's no 100 percent. that's what drives it you know it's like if you're watching a play and you zone out and miss dialogue you're likely gonna you know not get the full experience of the play you're not going to get it really yeah that's that's what's interesting because like stalker without the visual poetry of it one would not follow the screenplay but one could follow the screenplay of the sacrifice without the visual poetry but what makes the sacrifice so interesting to me is the visual poetry yeah you know what i mean yeah it's very interesting how he approached both of those films 
the same, but the content of each film was different. So drastically yeah. different. Right. <laughs> yeah, so, that makes sense. Because Stalker's like, you like can sense what it is. Yeah. You know, it's like, it's about like feeling the the world that they, that he created. And I don't know if that could come through. In I don't, I don't think it could. Screenplay at all. I don't think it could. I mean, I think you'd have to really adapt it. Like right. cha- do some major changes. I think that's uh, the thing that bothers me about screenplays, though, is like to get someone on board with your screenplay, it has to do so much. Yeah, but like some of the most interesting films, like Malik doesn't do like his screenplays are like a bunch of poems, yeah, a bunch of random images, fucking essays, and like some random thoughts. Right. Yeah, you know, but, he can but get he's any making, he uh, and he's like, he's like a talent. He's like. A you know big fucking dude he, he can pretty much get whoever he wants but he's also making his own movies you know um, but if you're just like going to be a playwright or just a screenwriter then you have to you know like it can't just be a collection of poems unless the person you're working on it with is totally in with you you know right. what I mean yeah it depends on how experimental you want to get I guess which yeah. there are experimental like, so, plays there are experimental plays, but I, I think like if you're a writer director, you can get away with um, having a looser screenplay format a lot more, um, just because you're the one directing it. Yeah, that exactly that, and I don't think anyone else could have directed a Tarkovsky script. Like it just wouldn't have worked. No, um, that's and that's like the key of Tarkovsky. I think is because he's so visual, like. Yeah, I don't know. No, I, 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 the the play, the whole play thing to me doesn't really work for Tarkovsky in the sense that I understand that the sacrifice could be adapted into a play, but yeah, if you're looking at really if you're looking at the sacrifice as a film or as a piece of art, it's not anything like a play because it's so ingrained with the visuals. If that makes sense. Yes and no. Yeah. I agree. Yes and no. I mean, like the house stuff is interesting, but it's not visual eye candy necessarily. Yeah, but I think, but that I think it makes the film though does that make sense um, yeah, like, totally. yeah, 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 like, yeah. <laughs> i don't think i mean like the sacrifice can... exists as a film because it had to exist as a film right, but it could right. definitely it could be adapted, be adapted into, into a screenplay play. yeah for or a script uh a play for but sure for something for sure. like but what know, makes ivan's it... childhood yeah. would have been way harder to right. adapt into a play because right. exactly. it's yeah. dependent on the exactly. cinema you know um, of, of the four tarkovsky films that we watch for this podcast i think the sacrifice is the easiest to like turn into a oh, play and, totally, and yeah. still get like the themes. I think that's I think that's what you're trying to say. Yeah, 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 yeah. I am the in cru- total cru- agreement. Yeah, yeah. No, I am too. The crux of what Tarkovsky was saying, I think, can be adapted into uh, yeah. like a play. But yeah. the way Tarkovsky chooses to show us what he means cannot be. Uh, right, like used in a play. Obviously, <laughs> the visual yeah. means of it. Yeah, there's things that film yeah. did or that they do in sacrifice that only film can yeah. do. You know, capturing the Japanese tree on a bay, yeah. capturing the burning house, yeah. capturing an ambulance coming in, and you know the people running around sporadically and doing weird shit. You know, that only that yeah. stuff can be captured on film. Um, it's just the way that he he likes to stage actors in that film yeah and how much they talk it's just all yeah. talking it's very play like um which is fine so uh i want to just so just to recap real quick so you have unity of action unity of time and unity of place 
Um, unity of action is that a plot should have an action that it follows with minimal subplots, so main main story arc. Unity of time, um, action should occur over a period of no more than 24 hours. That's kind of turned into more of a, a very specific type of film. You know, like when a film only takes place in a day, I feel like that's kind of a... They, yeah. People like to play that up as a plot device. Uh, unity of place, um, a, a plot or f- a play, film, whatever should exist in a single physical space. Again, that's another one of those kind of gimmicks, I think, that yeah, exists like, now. Yep, yep. Um, uh, and I think a good example of a film that breaks all of these in basically one cut is 2001. Yeah. Uh, the bone cut, I think, is a good example of the of yeah. breaking all of those rules in one go. Um, just because film, because of the freedom of film, it's like it's so hard to want to be constrained to yeah. to such a uh, restrictive rule set, I guess. Right. Um, but it's so weird because even like the Greeks broke all these rules. Totally. Yeah. You know, and so it's like. It's not even a rule. I don't know why we call them rules. Yeah. I don't know what the... I guess they're unities, I guess is what... Which is weird to me because like, I don't even know what the point of developing these ideas really are because no one really follows it anyway. Yeah. Like, no one get, like Macbeth doesn't take place over like a... You know, it takes yeah. place over a short period of time, but it's it like... You know, like, it's almost like the dogme rules because almost all dogme films actually didn't follow all the dogme rules. Right. Because it's <laughs> yeah. so restrictive. Yeah. Like, right. It's hard. But um, I think it's it's sort of like uh, instead of looking at it rules it's it's like here are the three like pillars of your play. Like you have action, time, and place and you need to play with those things in an interesting way uh, in order to keep the audience engaged. Yeah. You know. and Definitely. And here are some things to keep in mind that would be good but not necessarily the best thing for your story right right you know sense um i think that's a healthier way to look at it i think so you know yeah because any sort of rule is like meant to be broken totally like filmmaking has quote rules but i mean it doesn't really it's they're more like guidelines to get you to make if you need something to bounce off of and have a have a place to go that you can go to the guidelines otherwise just do whatever you want to do. Think um, like Barbosa, you know, from Pirates. <laughs> Not familiar, so you know. You haven't seen Pirates of the Caribbean? I've seen like the first one, I think, a long time ago. This is the first Maybe one. That's the, the most one. random <laughs> like Dude, it's a good reference. It's a solid it's movie. My comparison to plays it's the most was random better reference. Than... <laughs> uh, but I bring that up they're more like cause... guidelines than actual rules. Is that what Barbosa for, says? For pirating. <laughs> Uh, He's talking about pirating. That's true. That's oh what I, that's what I'm saying. Uh, well, you know, I don't. I just watch, lamed our podcast. I just lamed you guys. I don't watch bad movies, so you know, I wouldn't know. Wouldn't know the answer to that. <laughs> I'm um, not going to argue with. with you <laughs> so, even though I would. <laughs> how does this apply to Tarkovsky's films and this idea of dramatic unity? So, really, almost all of his films use some loose form of these ideas. Right, like the longer takes, you know, even Ivan's childhood has these scenes that go on for a long time, which exist in one place, uh, you know, with a very set period of time. A lot of the long takes force you to experience it in real time. Uh, even Ivan's, Ivan's childhood's plot is pretty straightforward with not a lot of like subplots to it. I would say Solaris is pretty much one plot, yeah, you know, um, mm-hmm. there's not a lot to go off of, and stalker 
even I guess all of his films kind of are pretty pretty yeah. singular in their plot, um, but obviously they change with time and with place. Uh, however, he kind of began to focus these this idea of these unities more in his later work, especially the idea of unity of time. That was really his kind of the crux of his philosophy. Um, for example, we have no real way to know for over how long the events of Stalker take place, but the idea of unity of time is still present with the extensive use of long takes. Yeah, you know, because half the point of Stalker is that the zone doesn't exist in any normal physical or temporal realm. You know, time can yeah. change; they can shift physical spaces, stuff like that. Like how they go under the, they go through the drop. What is it called? The when he goes into the under the water, it's kind of like a waterfall. It's like they're panning by like lamps or something, and then the two guys go in because they lost the third guy, yeah. and they come back around, uh, and it turns out he's already he's chilling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like they went some weird route yeah. to get there, he, right? Yeah, and they're literally like a hundred yards away from the room. <laughs> yeah, and the whole time they're like you know <laughs> but, super close to the room, yeah. but they can't go straight there; yeah. otherwise, it's dangerous, you know. Right. Um, so this, like. He messes with time there, but because it's in long takes, it ex- you're experiencing it more in real time. Yeah, and what's great about it though is like it's also the room is doing that. Like, right? The room is fucking or the with zone. Time, the zone the, is. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. like it's like or yeah, the zone is. So like that's like a, that's like super meta. <laughs> totally. Totally. Um, but you know, like the whole scene where they're arguing about the bomb, like that happens yeah. in like a long take for like a yeah. really long time, which is know? an interesting, like, like almost little subplot that comes in mm-hmm. all of a sudden. You're like, what? Right, exactly. <laughs> like, right. You know, and there's a really long take where the camera pa- uh, tracks back into the room, and then it sort of like starts to rain inside, and they're just sitting there, you know. Yeah, and- the camera is the only thing that enters the room. Exactly. Which is yeah. so which one is of the great. coolest things ever. I think. Yeah. Um. Let's see. The sacrifice takes that idea even further using a literal 24 hour period um, combined with some of Tarkovsky's longest takes in all of his films. Yeah. So he, he really pushes the idea of unity of time and forces you to sit with the actors and the, the characters to really delve into, like, you know, how long is the back and forth that Otto does where he's talking about his experiences being a paranormal, like, yeah. Uh, investigator right. yeah. or whatever you know it's a pretty long sequence and the sequence where they're talking outside or you know whatever <laughs> where he's talking to Maria is like you know when he does his last kind of long monologue yeah. you know it's that's those are all long takes um, and even the infamous house burning the house is all a long take um, uh, I guess I wrote that too so the infamous house burning scene cuts off so suddenly only because they ran out of film. That's the only reason why it cut. Otherwise, it would have just kept going yeah. and going, you know. Uh, which That's is, funny. That scene is absolutely incredible. And uh, it was the second take of that, actually, because the yeah. first take fucked up. And uh, they had to had an expensive reshoot of rebuilding the house so that they could burn it down, which I'm glad they did. <laughs> yeah. That scene is really, it's really incredible. Um, and I've seen that scene before out of context and watching it in context yeah. really right. really helps, helps <laughs> a lot. So uh, those are just kind of like the basic ideas of, of like how he kind of approaches this. I mean, again, like all of his films kind of follow one plot or they follow like one character through a plot mm-hmm. because his characters tend to reflect him so much. Yeah. That there's no reason to split them. You know, it's always right. one guy who drives it through the plot. 
Um, and it's usually like about that what that character is experiencing, right? You know, like his internal struggle, right? You know, at any is, given which time, which is kind of nice. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and I, you know, like uh, Alexander and the sacrifice is like uh, supposed to be you know a mirror image of Tarkovsky yeah, essentially, yeah. which is again, yeah, which sure. adds a level of of analysis to the mirrors used in the film. Yeah. You know, because yeah. he uses extensive use of the mirrors. I mean, his his most personal film is called The Mirror. Yeah. You know? So there's something. Ref- his he's about reflection. You know, film for him was a reflection. It had to be a reflection of real Hence life. Water. And water. <laughs> exactly. Right. Um, and even again, you know, the sacrifice uses water a lot. Yeah. To to drive the story, they're all walking in water. They sit in water. The mud. You know, when he there's that one shot of the f- feet walking in the mud, and mm. then it sinks kind of into like a pool of water. Yeah. Stalker. Yeah. I mean, they sit in water all the time. Yep. Everything is dank, and you know, damp. And like again, in the room, it rains. Like, Civilization itself is underwater with like the gun, the needle, the mm-hmm. art, exactly. the statues. It's all underwater. Exactly. Yeah. Like water is, and then I mean, the sacrifice literally ends on the tree with the background of water. Yeah. Yeah. You yeah. Know? Um, and that dedication was so perfect too, because he, you know, he. His son actually was unable to leave the Soviet Union. He was, he was stuck there uh, for, for whatever reason. They were keeping him there, yeah. and Tarkovsky was not able to return or chose not to return. So him and his son were not able to see each other. Yeah, but crazy. his son is the one who accepted the prize because Tarkovsky uh, because Tarkovsky was on his deathbed, you know, and like it's kind of this really interesting, kind of beautiful, poetic yeah. end. Yeah. Um, that's that also that it's, music is just like <laughs> yeah. the ending of sacrifice was spot on for sure. It's, especially it being like dedicated to his son. Yeah, uh, at the end too. Yeah, uh, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. There's something just it's very. It, it, you could tell that he knew he was on his way out, and that this was going to be his last like his his last essay or his last yeah. philosophical thought. You know that he was able to get out, and all of his feelings were, you know, through the film. And he ended his ended his last film, and the last shot where it fades to white is to his son. You know, that's very, very poetic. Yeah, very nice little. I don't know. The ending of the sacrifice I thought was perfect. I thought it was just like the music choice with that song, the slow, slow track up the tree. Yeah. Um, <laughs> ending on the kind of the kid who's at the root of the tree. Yep. Ending, you know, he gets his one line of the whole movie, um, which is a reference to Papa. Yeah. You know, like, um, there's something very satisfying about that ending. Because so. it, it's cool because it, he goes full circle with everything. All the stuff so, that yeah. you, at the beginning of the movie, you're like, why? Why are they doing this? You yeah. Know, pl- planting that tree or whatever, you know, and then it all comes around. It all works. It's just satisfying. Yeah. Right. Which is which is tough because like I was having a really hard time watching the sacrifice. Um, you know, like I said, I had to break it up into parts because I was just you know parts of it I was bored, parts of it I was like I know I had to sit down and watch this, yeah, yeah. and you're trying to understand how this is all going to fit together. <laughs> um, mm. But it was it was the last ten minutes that was like that cranked it up, and it was like this film yeah. is so good, yeah, <laughs> uh, all because of the last ten minutes, really. Um, so, yeah, you like put in all this work to get like a nice payoff, and that's yeah. kind of something I've realized with kind of Tarkovsky's movies, at least that we've watched. Like it's yeah. it's an incredible amount of work, but the payoff is is yeah is worth it's that worth work. It, yeah. Nostalgia is like that too, which is yeah. really cool. Nostalgia 
it, it's a slow build, but by the end, you're like, oh, wow, mm-hmm. that was worth it. That was yeah. really cool. Because even if his plots aren't traditional, he introduces ideas at the beginning that you come to at the end. Yeah. So you get a sense yeah. of the full yeah. circle yeah. idea. But yet he, the ending, he always like gives you something different and new yeah. that you hadn't seen before in the rest of the movie and it leaves you with kind of like a what the fuck but yet that was so fucking cool <laughs> that's stalker i mean like, that's stalker yeah the ending of stalker is like yeah whoa like because they reference that offhand yeah they don't even talk i mean it's a conversation offhand where he's like the world's not that interesting there's nothing going on there's none of this there's none of that there's no telepathy you know like yeah. we're basic people and then the end of stalker is like Okay, maybe there is some weird shit yeah, going on like, in the world. Yeah, you know? the, like, like there, there. Yeah, man. Because <laughs> out of con- I've seen that I've seen that shot out of context too, and it it doesn't make any sense. You're no, like, and then you're watching the movie, and you're like, how the fuck are they going to get to that shot? Yeah, yeah. You know, of the little girl or monkey or whoever it is, you yeah. know, and and the telepathy yeah. kind of aspect or the or the ambiguous telepathy that she has, I guess. But yeah, it just makes you think because you're just like is she part of like the aliens that had arrived or whatever before or is what she is due to the zone like 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 or just naturally or is she the wish that stalker did he go into the room at some point earlier before you know yeah like or is it all bullshit because the train goes by too exactly and And then you hear the dog whimpering yep so you're like what the fuck? You yeah. Because the dog is like, kind of like the zone. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Because so. the dog can, you know, is 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 able to go in and out. Yeah, it came from the zone. <laughs> yeah. You know? yeah. He presents it as if it's sort of like the zone's way of of making itself yeah. more physical. And, and almost, then you, you know? know, Stalker's wife wants him to go back. Yeah, and she's know. almost like, well, yeah. I'll just go with you to make it work for you. Yeah. And he's like, no, no, no. Which also compl- yeah. complicates the whole, like, child thing, you know? Yeah. You're just like, what? Like, it's so is weird. there more that she wants with the kid? Like, you know, like, because in the kid doesn't, she doesn't walk, right? She doesn't walk. Yeah, right. so, like, she's handicapped, yet she's got other powers. Exactly. So it's like, right. what what sort of deal did, you know, he do? And it's also kind of inferred, too, a little bit that Stalker could be, uh, like, a drug addict. So it's like, yeah. could the drugs have done this to her too? Like, right. it's just like, man, <laughs> it's like, what the fuck? so crazy. <laughs> yeah. And the thing that really gets me too, I was watching, I, I mentioned this to you guys, um, but no one, no one responded to it. So I'm going to bring it up here. Um, it's interesting to me how, let's say, so the idea partially of this podcast is that you could in theory, watch all the films that we pair together in a back to back, right. Yeah. Or have some way to compare them or like that would be a very interesting viewing would be to watch the sacrifice and then watch von Trier's yeah. melancholia yeah because melancholia is almost exactly the sacrifice <laughs> like end of the world people who are whose psyches are kind of degrading because yeah. of that and De- how they're trying to like deal with each other this deep like depression mm-hmm. like there's something like von Trier is a outspoken tarkovsky lover and i guarantee you that when he was making melancholia the sacrifice was right there at his forefront of his mind. Like, how do we, how do I make the sacrifice? How do I make my yeah. version of the sacrifice? Yeah. You know what I mean? And I really, That's I, I want to do that. I meant to, if I had more time, I would have done it. Um, but yeah, I really want to like go back to film essay with those two films. Yeah. 
For and you sure. could do that with Antichrist too. I mean, even with the use of music at the end of Antichrist, with all the blurred faces in the woods, yeah. and then it fades to black, and then you see dedicated to Andre Tarkovsky, just like you know, <laughs> yeah. the ending of the sacrifice. So you're just like, ah, exactly. <laughs> and I haven't seen you know. There's obviously Tarkovsky films I haven't seen. So, but I, I, I bet you in every film Von Trier's made, it's yeah. touch of Tarkovsky. Yeah, yeah, there, yeah. and know? and you can see that with Bergman too. Oh yeah, um, with 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 Von Trier. Um, mm-hmm. You can tell you can tell what he likes, but you know you can tell what Tarantino likes. He just doesn't know? wear it on his sleeve yeah. As, yeah. as much as Tarantino does. You're right, you know? right. But uh, but but all filmmakers copy from the best. You know, right. they all you know like, or they copy from who they like. Right, right, right. You know, yeah, like the best of the, their personal best. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So it, it's interesting. Um, yeah, it'd be fascinating to just ha- watch a documentary of Von Trier talking about Tarkovsky and his influences. That would be really cool. Yeah, I'd be curious to hear his breakdown because obviously, like certain filmmakers have more of a ability to analyze, yeah, and and notice themes and you know concepts that they yeah. really pick out. So. Right, and I, it it applies to more than just like other art filmmakers too. You know, like when when I was doing research for stalker i was reading that jonathan nolan who's doing westworld like stalker was a huge influence in the creation of westworld oh wow and as soon as as soon as i read have you guys watched westworld at all yeah i haven't i haven't seen i haven't excuse me haven't started the new season yet but the first season was fucking awesome right but like the whole thing with like the the maze in the scalp Mm -hmm. like that's so um the zone Wow, I didn't even think of that, but now that you say it, yeah, wow, it's the fu- it's the fucking zone, dude. And like, as soon as I read that, I was like, oh my god, that's that's the maze thing. You know, yeah, after I watched Stalker, wow, I hadn't read that. That's yeah. really cool. No wonder I like. It's that like show. the same fucking <laughs> thing. Um, it's like the same idea, and it kind of feels the same too. Um, but yeah, it's just kind of neat how, even though art films directors copy other art film directors, you know, but it's still like those really great ideas still make their way into like more mainstream things for, for oh, people yeah. to kind of digest too, you Definitely. know? Um, c- Cause one of the things with art films, like I just, I wish more people watched them. Like, and I know a right. lot of people watched stalker. Um, a lot of people really like stalker. Hell, there's like a video game based on the movie. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so you I, know, mean, I just, I like it when art films get like, a lot of love you know me too and he, he's kind of that special director that somehow bridged that gap and it's so funny because yeah. stalker could be used as the perfect reason why so many people hate art films <laughs> oh, 100%. you know what i mean yeah so it's like it's like the perfect art film in a sense in the sense of like it's like a great example of it but also the great to love art films but also the perfect example of why people hate our films <laughs> and like it's too long it, oh, totally. yeah. you know stuff like that it's long yeah, it's sure. slow there's nothing going on yeah. like i hate this yeah but <laughs> out of all his films i would i would go on a limb and say that you know stalker is probably his most popular his yeah it know. probably is oh yeah i'm looking it's at his lo- most like well-known I, yeah. I would say i'm looking at various lists I, here i always that think solaris is but i but i but i I just looked at three different lists, and all of them listed Andre Rublev as his okay. as the greatest of the greats. But honestly, I I think from in, a more general what? audience, I think Stalker is the one. 
All right, what did you say? In what what do you mean is the greatest of the greats? I mean, this is a various list of people ranking Tarkovsky films. I mean, even IMDb has Andre Rublev as the highest star rating. Um, so yeah, there's, I think that's because of the hipsters. I think. I, mean, I think. I think it kind of is because like, a, yeah, you know, yeah. It's got the most. It's like, I mean, compared to his later filmography, it's more linear than like fucking Stalker or Sacrifice. You know, like yeah. But I think I think Stalker, due to the the content, but also just I don't know. I th- it's just something about Stalker that I just think like if you have you seen a Tarkovsky film, yeah, I've seen Stalker. See, to yeah. me, it's always Solaris. I, I think Solar, but I think Solaris is like I don't think that that is necessarily like a Tarkovsky film right off the bat, you know? Right, like, but I always like, think that. But I always it feel like that's the one more that most people, people have seen, you know. Right, but I think people have also like read the short story, you know, because it was a very popular short story. Yeah. It was a very popular, maybe movie, because popular maybe, American film. Maybe you think that because Soderbergh made a, did a remake of it, and now people are like, yeah. "Oh, I saw the Soderbergh version, so I decided to well, go I just, watch." I mean, Tarkovsky I just when I think too. of like Criterion, I, uh, Solaris is one of the first ones I think of because everybody was so ecstatic over the Criterion release, you know, of of, of Tarkovsky's Solaris, you know, like. I, like the that I want to say that was like Criterion's like one of their biggest like uh, se- selling DVDs, best selling DVDs is Solaris. I could be wrong. Oh but really? Yeah. So that's I why get, that makes I, sense. That's why I always think that like I, I always just think of Solaris. But I mean, I well, what do I know? You know what I mean? Like I, it's just this is what I always think of when I think of Tarkovsky in the mainstream eyes I always think of Solaris and it's not I don't know exactly why I mean it could be any of those reasons why you get, that you guys have said but right um but yeah, I guess a, I could see, I, I but maybe see a part it. of me is is just that I want stalker all to myself you know like you know <laughs> yeah. what I mean like I, I, I don't I, I, I that that movie is just so like special to me that I, I it's like I don't almost like it that other people can go watch it you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. Like, I don't know if you if you feel like that towards any movies, but that's how like I feel like yeah, I, yes. I feel so pro- protective over Stalker and like Only God Forgives, and you know what I mean? Like when I see it's when like I, when it's I hear like someone, your babies, kind of. Yeah, yeah, and it's like when I hear someone yeah. that I don't really know that doesn't look like a film lover, and they go, "Oh, I love Only God Forgives," I'm like, "Do you really?" Do you really like Only God Forgives? Like, like, are you worthy of you actually? Yeah, like, are you actually worthy of saying that you like oh, that God. movie? You know, that's so funny. <laughs> but that's my selfish tendencies when it comes to that's, certain films. That's amazing. You guys ever? So I don't know if you guys experience that. Experience this, but do you ever watch a movie and you don't want to watch it again because you don't want the like your idea of the movie to be ruined? Like, have you ever just watched a movie once and, like, like your takeaway was so great that you, like, don't want to watch it again? A part of me, but I, I've always fall for it, man. I'm too weak. I don't... <laughs> I can't think of a single movie that... No, I can't I can't think of one, no. I mean, I, like, the concept of it has entered my mind, but there's no way I could. There's no way I could only right. see a movie once and that Cause I Because if, if I like it so much to the point where I would even consider that, I'd be like, of course I'm going to watch it again. Exactly, yeah. Like same, it, right, but... same. Yeah, that makes sense. I don't know. I yeah, it's either the only reason I don't watch a movie again is because I really just didn't like it, you know. Sure. Unless I have to watch it again or something, you know. It's I don't know. I never. I mean, this like. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I have to think about that a little bit more. But off the top of my head, I can't think of a single movie. Mm. 
It's like that. Do you have one? Well, yeah, I mean, I that happened with uh, Sex, Lies, and Videotape. And I've been meaning to rewatch it because when I watched it, it was like so, uh, like, for some reason, like, changed me. You, you know what I That's mean? Cool. And That's I, cool. I'm afraid to, like, go back and watch it because I want it to, like, remain the thing that I thought it was. Yeah. You know? But, like, other, I've done, I've had it with other things. And when I go back and, you know, with a video game, we'll go back and play it again. It's like, oh, this isn't what I thought it was. And I'm disappointing. Disappointed. Yeah. yeah the, the, like when you uh, listen to a song and then you figure out what the lyrics are. And you're like, oh, this, <laughs> like the meaning of the song is like kind of gone. Because you like know yeah. the lyrics. You know what I mean? Yeah. The closest to me would be, I think, Perfume. I, I, I didn't know what I was getting myself into, right? Oh, sure. So then like at the end of it, when it was over, I'm like, oh my God, that was so good. Is it going to be as good the f- second time around? You know what I mean? Like I didn't, sure. I didn't know, um, but it's still one of my favorite movies. So <laughs> yeah, well, that's a great movie. But yeah, gosh. Um, say so Byron, do you have anything else? You you said you had some things you wanted to throw in here, and we got a little. Well, bit yeah, more time. I, I uh, for pre or for production, I just wanted to kind of bring up like the idea or the fact that um, he shot uh, Stalker three times, which is yeah. insane. Right. You know, it's um, fascinating in that. There's differing opinions, but um, according to the production designer, uh, the first version is way different than the final product in that it was just, like, completely different, you know? The way he filmed it and the character of Stalker was the biggest change, where at first, the first version, he was more um, kind of, like... uh, animated and 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 wild and more uh zane more of like a yeah yeah he was more of like um not a babbling fool or anything but he was you know more talkative and and not and less you know cautious and and right you know and and he but, wasn't as like introspective right right and yeah. then you know at the end or you know at the final version he's you know he plays it very inner you know like uh yes which is which is interesting that that you know given the chance to do another film again how it could be so different you know Mm -hmm. um right that would be me like i couldn't imagine trying to if i got so much so deep into one project yeah had to scrap it there's no way i could try like yeah i just wouldn't even attempt to do it the same way that's why it's interesting that why like haneke did his film twice the same way you know it's interesting how like it just takes a different type of artist you know to you know i don't know it's kind of cool yeah um but yeah i just wanted to kind of bring that up and just be like how insane that is that he had to film it you know three different times and that the relationship he had with the original director of photography was just dwindling and dwindling and then he fired him after they found out that the footage was developed incorrectly um and it was unusable so they just burned it you know and then he had to you know film it again (laughs) but like I, i i people say that it was like an inside job you know like there's like conspiracies where like they fucked with the film whether it was the russian government or people that were on the director of photography side and wanted to just fuck tarkovsky up which they were really close because he was really fucked up um having to you know all that work 
and then yeah <laughs> there's yeah. conspiracies surrounding tarkovsky like i mean his death is a conspiracy yeah like, some people yeah. claim that the kgb assassinated him yeah right you know, but they're also compared to the fact that he died the the woman uh from stalker and Anatoly Solonitsyn and Tarkovsky all died from similar circumstances, though. So they're also saying, yeah. like, and some of the crew, you know, maybe too. they exposure right. to certain things, shooting what they did for Stalker yeah. and where they were at, yeah. you know, exposed them to certain. Yeah, because they filmed so. or they filmed near this nuclear plant of some sort, and I guess there was like some sort of waste in the water that they were filming at yeah um yeah it was like down river from a chemical plant yeah that's what it was chemical plant yeah, yeah. so it's crazy but yeah gosh <laughs> cool um and then like the, their budget their <laughs> cool. budget the, i would love to see the first version though because like you know that scene um where they look out in the field and there's those tanks yeah, yeah. i guess in the original version there was like 10 or 15 of them and it was just just everything about the film was bigger and more grand because they had more money because it's the you know but when he said hey uh, can i make the film again but we'll do it in two parts they only gave they gave him less money you know um so they had to deal with the was it three tanks i think uh and like those are new tanks that they just like put and made to look old that's really crazy to me yeah i I actually know like a decent amount about tanks and there's two german tanks that were there that were like i'm surprised if they if they were planted there i'm very surprised they were because they're pretty special they 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 planted they planted them they were trucked over and then i guess it took forever tarkovsky was so adamant that the guys Put, driving the trucks to get them in the field they had to be brought in a certain way where the the grass could couldn't be touched because he's like these tanks have been sitting here for yeah, you know who knows yeah. how long oh i see so yeah. how are we going to get them there you know without disrupting right the the stuff you know and they didn't have like helicopters or anything that they could drop them on so i guess it became a huge nightmare, you know, especially after they had to film it again. So I, I like those like things where me too, like the, and like his story of all of his films and making films in general, is just like strife. Yeah. He, his, his ability and drive to overcome the problems surrounding his productions is just staggering. You know, he says, he says things like, was it Solaris? I think it was either Solaris or the Stalker where he's like, oh, yeah, there was only one major issue in the production, but everything else went smooth. And yeah. I'm thinking, like, that's probably bullshit, you know? Like, what film <laughs> yeah. production goes smoothly yeah. ever? It doesn't. <laughs> it was probably his uh, the footage that went bad. <laughs> it's like every single that... film he makes, like, there's footage gone wrong or, like, his initial shooting of it is all, like, fucked up, you know, something happens. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah, he's kind of a trip. Another thing I thought was interesting, too, is... um. The Vatican has a list of forty-five films that they've considered that they consider to be like mm-hmm. high film or whatever. That that you know, oh. and this is the Vatican, right? And it's interesting because Tarkovsky has to, Tarkovsky has two, and it's Andrei Rublev and um, the, sacrifice. the sacrifice, and they're sure. both under the religion category. Um, they have there's three categories that they have, they put these forty-five films in, and I forget. I think it's like religion faith and something else i I don't remember the things but both of the films 
go into the religion category. Um, and it's interesting because there's a lot of like paganism in the sacrifice <laughs> yeah. too. With the witch. With yeah. the witch. You know, I thought that was so interesting. And I was going to see what you guys thought about that whole like idea and like that scene, you know, where he, he consummates his, you know, his, this, this lust or whatever that auto yeah. tells him, you know, Hey, you should sleep with her. And then yeah. she's all taken aback by it, but then they do it. And wow. This you is know, an interesting list. It, so it's, Let's let's answer your question, but I have the yeah, list yeah. here too. Uh, cool, yeah. Um, that was a very interesting scene, and like and they he's float. they float, which is like reminiscent of yeah. Solaris, obviously. And he's kind of got and this the thing, mirror too, but and the mirror. Oh yeah, there's a scene in the mirror, and Ivan too. And, does he float in Ivan? At the be- at, at the, the beginning, beginning, yeah. But it's like oh, a dream kind of thing. Oh though. yeah, it's like childhood. Yeah. Yeah. There's something floating. about floating that he really likes yeah. as a thematic device. I yeah. thought that scene was really interesting. Yeah. Because it comes it ends up being ambiguous. I mean Yeah. It's super ambiguous. It's so weird. Except for if you want to go literal, well, metaphorically literal, I guess, where like it cuts to the scene of the people breaking out and then like the boy you know, it it does that there's two shots, right? There's the he does he repeats the shot. He does it once where there's no one in the alleyway and then he repeats the shot later where there's people running in the alleyway and they kind of look like they're like rioting or something or whatever right yeah um, yeah if you want to go in sort of a surface level metaphorical way i guess you could see that as like the sperm breaking out and then the boy representing maybe the egg or something you know yeah, like yeah. something along those lines i'm sure it's not as literal as that kind of cool. um cool. Brett Kubricky, Kubrickian Kubrickian or whatever too because he yeah. loved playing with that sort of shit too. Uh, but also <laughs> and then it's like the jets the sound of the jets yeah. comes back so you know that's sort of the the signal that something big is happening so you could talk about how that's sort of a consummation metaphor I guess yeah. um, but it does play out ambiguously where he's kind of like crying and she's kind of like it's okay and you know just take this pill or whatever and everything will yeah. be fine you know like there's so the way it plays out is very strange um, but I thought that was interesting how it kind of just all of a sudden turns into this very dreamy yeah because he tells yeah. you this like long monologue of the story of a garden beforehand yeah you know? which is what apparently seals the deal for yeah, her. Yeah, yeah. For her. Um, even the fact that he tells her that he's like, I know he told me what you are, you know, and she's like, what are you talking about? What are you talking yeah. about? You know, and then she immediately goes into like, okay, fine, let's do this. You know? <laughs> right. Um, I, I think it's interesting because like you could look at it as like agnostic or pagan or Christian. Yeah. You know? Right. Like, right. and you could really look at it any of those ways and get something out of it really interesting because you know for christian it's like repenting yeah you know so it's like he's diving into like the the dark like like dealing with the devil sort of a thing yeah yeah and like that aspect of it is like wow this is actually really powerful for i imagine for christian people yeah Yeah, you know it's interesting that the vatican like saw that Right. Yeah, yeah. they can be super harsh. I mean, they hated the temp- last temptation of Christ and stuff. Right. So, so I mean, like, they, they. I mean, the sacrifice wasn't like immediately uh, accepted right. by religious people either. Yeah. Neither was. I mean, Andre Rublev had even a harder time yeah. being yeah. accepted. But it also right. the scene creates this ambiguity between like, you know, was it his monologue to God that saved the 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 lives yeah. of everyone, or was it his going to quote devil or the other side yeah yeah either way he fulfills his deal with the sacrifice for the yeah, most part yeah. obviously he doesn't 
kill anyone or you know like you said but he's like i'll kill my i'll burn my house down and yeah. do everything else so obviously he goes to that degree um and then obviously he feels connected to her as the house is burning mm-hmm. and she's like the last person to see him yeah as he's going away and then um, like like what's up with the ambulance like who called the ambulance oh and the ambulance just appearing yeah, just out of shows fucking up, nowhere right? isn't that crazy <laughs> and she ends up cutting it off she's yeah. the only one to go find the yeah. boy yeah like it's sort it's just weird ambiguity but i definitely i thought that scene it worked um the garden scene the, the whole garden monologue i thought was pretty interesting yeah. Uh, just beforehand, you know, and and leading up to that, I love the ambulance because it it brings in kind of like what the what monkey did at the end of Stalker, yeah. Because it starts make it it makes you think like, was there anything about the end of the world? Because like, it's not like EMTs are actually like, you know, if it's the end of the world, it's not like anyone's going to be at their job driving around in an ambulance, right? You know what I mean? Like it, it, yeah. it's then it's like, is this all? Like, is this in his head? It's all in his head, you know? Is he just legitimately a crazy person? Which, it also, there's a connection with nostalgia, but we could get into a whole other later time. But there's a similar character played by the same actor, Erland Josephson, mm-hmm. who has a similar backstory as the character in this film, almost identical. Oh, cool. So, it's interesting. Oh, weird. And, yeah. I, you know, the ambulance also calls into the fact that Tarkovsky was dying while yeah. making the movie. Yeah. You know, like, he was sick making the movie. So, like, you know, that sure. type of thing was in his forefront. Right. Forefront of his mind, thinking about, you know, that it's, there's a there's a literal, like, a, you know, surface level, whatever, and you could dig deeper into the ambulance. But I think it's kind of like those were the things that were at what he was thinking about. And yeah. He was like, what, you know, he he, he kind of just throws shit in there, and I'm, obviously there's a point to it, but at the same time he kind of just throws shit in there. So. Yeah, it's cool. Um, he's, he's a provocateur. <laughs> yeah, so he kind of he does things that mean something to him. You yeah, know? exactly. And then leaves us kind of to gather what we can to make of it. Exactly. Right. Yeah. So I have this list of 45 movies uh, from the Vatican, and it's d- uh, divided into religion, values, and art. That's it, yeah. Um, the Sacrifice and Andre Rublev are in religion. You also have Ben-Hur, um, the, pa- uh, see, the Passion of Joan of Arc, The Passion of Jesus Christ, A Man for All Seasons. Should I just list them all? I don't, I don't know if I listed them all. But anyway, you, in values, uh, you have things like Bicycle Thieves, Chariots of Fire, Intolerance, It's a Wonderful Life on the Waterfront, which is the Bar- Brando film, yeah. Schindler's List, the Seventh Seal and Wild Strawberries. So even Bergman's in there. In, wow. in art, they Wild have... Wild Strawberries is fucking cool, too. I haven't seen that one, but I'd like to. Um, yeah, we should do a Bergman thing. We will. Uh, in art, uh, we have Citizen Kane, Eight and a Half, Fantasia, <laughs> um, Metropolis, Modern Times, um, Nosferatu, Stagecoach, in 2001. Those all make sense, though. And The Wizard of Oz. Those all make yeah. sense. So this is wow. the Vatican's list of the best of each of those categories. So like, in no particular order. To, to do, a, like, a Vatican series. You know? <laughs> it's kind like of a, a trip. Yeah. Like, the three, like, do three episodes on each of those things. I know you want to, you, you just want to do Fantasia. <laughs> I just, I heard Fantasia, and I was like, we have to pair that with Fantasia 2000. Actually, I love Fantasia, so... <laughs> Fantasia and 2001. That's like your guys' kind of movie. No plot is a giant fuck you to the audience and is all about tone and music. Yeah, I love (laughs) Fantasia. Fantasia's cool. Cool. All right, let's do a quick roundtable for the sake of trying to keep our episode short 
as we do it. try and do that. So um, I don't know who to start with. This is extremely difficult because honestly, I don't even really know the answer for myself. I mean, I kind right, well, of let's do. Start with Keith. But kind of don't. I don't think I'm a good let's, person to start with. I need a minute to think about it. We might have to do Keith last. I might have okay, to. Okay, let's do Byron. Yeah, just do me first because right. I think it. Okay. Yeah. So stalker. <laughs> stalker. <laughs> yeah. 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 No, I mean, I love the sacrifice. Don't get me wrong. I love that movie. Um, and the more I watch it, the more I the more I like it. And I, the first time I watched it, I really liked it. But there's something about soccer that I just absolutely love and just lose myself in. I love the idea too that there's this room that could give you grant you your deepest wish it's not the wish you want right it's your deepest truest darkest wish exactly and how that's actually really more scary than than anything else you know what i mean And not only that but you have to give yourself entirely and open yourself up entirely to get a wish yeah right that is just fascinating to me. I love that idea of yeah. that, um, and how that it's in this area called the zone, which is like because of aliens or whatever. You know, it's it's quite it's not really said, but it's so interesting. Um, so I love that I that aspect of it. So. I would also say that I do agree with Tarkovsky that Stark Soccer more than Solaris had it uh, ended up transcending genre yeah. more than Solaris yeah. did. Yeah. Because it is sci-fi, but you tend to almost forget that it's sci-fi. Yeah, it, it you know it becomes like this really interesting drama of like spirit and more. It's just weird. It's yeah. it's, it's almost unclassifiable. <laughs> totally, totally. Uh, Jacob sounded like he was very much into Stalker more than the Sacrifice as well. So, because you you said you said for Byron it's easy and for me it's easy, so I'm gonna go with Stalker. Yeah, I think I think I want to go with Stalker too. I think maybe just because of the angel thing this is the sacrifice. <laughs> the sacrifice. Oh. The sacrifice really does demand a lot of in the same long stretches in the same setting. Whereas Stalker does that too, but it it does change it up more, like different. Sure shots of different a little bit different locations <laughs> um uh and there's it's more tense than the sacrifice um right so that's i guess that's why i pick well i'll tell you what i'm glad that we only did two episodes of tarkovsky because <laughs> me watching both these films was a struggle uh, <laughs> to not not because i didn't enjoy them like i definitely i like the philosophy behind them but just the the demand was was a lot higher than what I was willing to give to to these movies. Um, I did like Stalker more, but <laughs> I think I need to be like in the mood, and I wasn't in the mood for. You gotta be movies. in the mood for him. Yeah. You have to be in the mood. And um, damn it, I wish you were. In particularly the mood. with the sacrifice, <laughs> it was it was a struggle for me. Uh, Stalker, I really I it it sucked me in uh, about like halfway through i was like oh my god like i need to know what's gonna happen yeah. and i could feel it i could feel the movie and that's why i picked stalker so you would be one of the people who would leave 30 minutes you know before no. the 30 minutes is up the, the only reason i'd ever leave a movie is because i wasn't feeling well or if it was like so um like i i've i've left a comedy because it i didn't think it was funny 
and yeah. a lot of most people didn't think it was funny That's and it was like i'm not laughing at this i just need to leave no one around me is laughing you know and not yeah. even in like a black comedy way it was like a studio comedy that you know i was just like you know i'm just yeah i don't i don't need this you know what i mean and i'm very forgiving when it comes to movies um but I need to be in the mood for for Tarkovsky, so I'm 100%. happy that we only did the two episodes. But I really want to rewatch all these films again, just to um, really get a sense of it. And I just I need to be in the right place for that. I think. So Byron, you've seen all of them, right? I have, yeah. Okay, so out of the ones that you haven't seen, Jacob, which one now are you looking forward to most to watching? Oh gosh! Um, so you have Andre Rublev, Mirror, yeah. and Nostalgia. So I guess only three. Those it'd be those in opposite order. So I'm really excited for nostalgia because wow, I like the dramatic unity stuff. I've, I'm really interested in the mirror because it's so personal to him. Yeah, and I like it when filmmakers do that, even if it doesn't make any a lick of sense to me. Yeah, it's uh, way, just knowing yeah. that people do that is fascinating, and I wish more filmmakers could do that, um, but they don't because it, you know you don't get paid really for doing that kind of stuff. <laughs> well, yeah, it's interesting uh, that you say that because nostalgia is very similarly paced as the sacrifice. I would, yeah, nostalgia. Oh, sure. I would hundred yeah. percent. I don't mind. Thought the, you weren't that interested in. Yeah, I don't. I don't mind the uh, the pacing thing. I I think the reason I sh- kind of shat on Tarantino for his little angel thing is because he's not a slow cutter. You know what I mean? Like that's not his his movies are paced like a certain way and the long angel was a very like long shot for that but that was you know but it was mean? opening credits I, I know <laughs> but I don't care I don't care if it's opening credits it was just I think I think what it is is like Tarantino's so popular so I think it's me kind of you know but was that was not, that not letting him off the hook was that, because was, he's popular was that opening sequence any longer than the 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 feet on the dashboard and death proof <laughs> Oh yeah, those are so. That was super long too. I mean, it, I don't think it is any longer. <laughs> Look, I, <laughs> I, I am not a mathematician or a counter, I guess. Uh, but it's just the way it feels. Yeah. Byron's it's, trying it's to get the Byron's trying to do that whole feeling. like I caught you, bitch moment. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I think it's fine. I mean, I don't. I, it's it's. I think that it's probably because of the trailer that came out with hateful eight where he's like inglorious 70 millimeter. And it just, it just felt like weird to me. And I think start going into it. I was feeling a little like shut the hell up Tarantino. You know, you know what I mean? Like just a little bit of that. And, Fair enough. um, you know, like you guys are like, um, uh, oh my God, what am I saying? Uh, Keith, you're kind of like that with, uh, with Nolan, you know, like you're like, yeah, no, just I, get I, the I, fuck I, out I, of here, dude. You know yeah. what I mean? And I, I can, I can get that way with, but you know, Tarantino. but I just have to say, Keith and I did see it in 70 millimeter. So <laughs> it might change. Your yeah. view. <laughs> <laughs> might change your, change your mind. I'll um, see it at Seattle, the 70 millimeter festival. <laughs> oh yeah. It is playing there. Um, but yeah, I, I think the longer, I don't mind the long cut if, or the no cut, if it's, um, you know, if it feels good, but I think I went into hateful eight, a little hateful. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> so yeah, if there's a reason, I think that's what it is. Oh man, this is I tough. still don't have an answer. This is tough. yeah. I I fucking I, I gave you like so much time to think about it. Okay, this is. Do you want me to go first? Sure. Maybe Whatever. maybe I'll try and help. Whatever works. Okay, I don't know. Uh, okay. do it. 
I think Stalker is one that you may go back to more um, because of the genre um, and how I think it might interest you that it transcends genre um, and that there's just a lot that he does within that film um, that parallels um, 2001, it parallels Apocalypse Now, um, you know, it's filmed in the same year as Apocalypse Now. Um, that, can you imagine going to Cannes and being like, yeah. I'm watching Stalker yeah. and Apocalypse Now yeah, in like yeah. the same fucking right, yeah, day, dude, yeah. for the first time <laughs> yeah. ever? My God. So I, I think that is interesting to you for sure, but I want to say that I think you might pick The Sacrifice because I think it surprised you. I think, maybe. Um, and I know that endings are also a big thing that I think you appreciate. I think they, it matters. You know? like <laughs> There's if, a bad ending. If, yeah, if a movie, a movie has a bad ending, it I think it will really um, hurt the overall film for you. Whereas like for, I know in the past, for me, I, I, have, I can forgive a film if it has a bad ending, if I liked another part of it. I don't. Keith is not as forgiving. <laughs> so I <laughs> yeah. think if it's... I think if it's and not that it's 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 not like this film is nicely you know it doesn't have a bow you know it doesn't end with it all nightly you know neatly tied up but it it, it just is it, it's just a solid ending and I think maybe that's like the main reason why um I'll pick the sacrifice hmm. I'm going to pick the sacrifice too and I agree with what Byron is saying, and you said a lot more things than I was going to say anyways, a lot smarter things than I probably would have said. Um, But I think the whole, like, the connection between Tarkovsky and the sacrifice, like, in its meta kind of values, how it kind of reflects his life, I think that's something that kind of transcends the, the... or it kind of is the movie and it kind of like transcends the movie a little bit. And it becomes like this, like farewell Tarkovsky film, like him saying almost like he's saying goodbye to humanity, you know, and someone who is a humanist and all of his movies are about this greater thing that we're doing on, like what we're doing on earth. What, what is our purpose? Like all of it. And like, what is love? baby don't hurt me no more you know like it's all it's all, it's all like these you know what is love? i think human things and i think the sacrifice really like sums all that up in like one film in but a, and it's like about death yeah you know? like but in this for me it would be like that in the same way as like you know how francis Ford coppola for apocalypse now like beca- he became he he became like insane almost yeah that that journey that the filmmaker does and it 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 goes with the film and the film projects that that's how the sacrifice is projected it's projected through what the filmmaker was going through and i think that interests you yeah yeah i think you're in you you love production but i think there's this other thing you like a lot which is which is what byron is which it's tied into the production but it's also like more than that it's funny. Yeah. Like, you guys are able yeah, to. It's s- like artistic value is way higher than any interesting production. Yeah. 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 It's funny how you guys say it more succinctly than I could think my own thoughts. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's so, we just know you. It's so fucking hard <laughs> because 
I don't know, man. It's so hard. Like I, I, I want to say Stalker. Right, I feel right, like right. Stalker was just like. I think that's the one that you might wanted. watch more, though. Yeah, I think I like think, if you're like if you ever get in that Tarkovsky mood, I think you might be like, you know what? Stalker, I yeah. might put in Stalker, but I think maybe like I think I just have this feeling that there's a part of the sacri- sacrifice will have this like extra kind of like special part in Tarkovsky's. Yeah, there's something about it. Yes. There, I, I listen to both four and a half, but. I think the sacrifice edges it out. Cool. Be like you guys. You guys pretty much summed it up. Uh, but it's really the ending. There's something about watching the sacrifice that it left me feeling. It left me feeling like I was missing something, yeah, and it yeah. left me feeling like I needed to pursue something. See, yeah, There's something about it that was so satisfying ah, and not so cool. satisfying it's, with the ending of that's it. So cool. And it was literally the the last ten minutes of it yeah. that made it me enjoy that movie because oh, uh, it was right. a struggle it was a real struggle to get through it um it's just so much it, i mean it feels like it's so much bullshit yeah. stalker i was way more interested in watching it on yeah. a minute by minute basis the only thing that bothered me about stalker is the depiction of the physical nature of the zone like the the f- laws of physics that it mm. breaks was yeah. film schooly to me there was something about oh, okay. it that was very much mm-hmm. like it felt like he could have done better oh, at presenting that. Like the fact that they did this weird pan across the lamps, go into that tunnel, and literally just walk out the other side to me was like, that's how he's going to depict that. Oh, like, okay, the way that they make the zone feel like it's physically weird is through dialogue, which to oh, me was okay. kind of weak. Like he just says that it's weird, but we don't really know that it's weird. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, there's nothing I, that yeah. happens. The, the more I, that's weird because I totally feel I felt yeah. it. The more I watch it, the oh, more really? I feel presence. It. Okay, maybe I yeah, need to watch it thing. more. Yeah, but I just I was like, dude, you're just gonna tell me it's weird and then not show yeah, see, me weirdness. The first time I watched, it, I felt like it too. I was a little disappointed because yeah. I had read that it was so weird and that the yeah. zone is so weird. But now that the more I watch it, the more I'm like, oh my god, yeah. Where does that fit in to that yeah. scene? You know, I'm um, I'm giving it to the sacrifice though because I got a feeling after watching. That's it that cool. That's like, really and yeah. I don't get that with movies a lot yeah. where I'm like, dude, that left me like yeah. so. Like I felt like I need I had this void I needed to fill yeah. and like I wasn't doing That's something cool. right. Like Roger Ebert said I think he left the uh, theater shattered when he saw it's it. It's shattering. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And like that yeah. ending like I said that last shot with the tree is just like and then the yeah. dedication was just like it's so perfect. So I got to And it's cool cuz Ebert it, also said that for Antichrist. Oh, which really? is pretty oh, cool, nice. right? Yeah. Yeah. So It's kind of it feels like 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 the death of like a grandma or, or or something you know or a great grandma or, yeah. or something like that like that feeling of like god i can't even explain it but like you get like a weird juice after that yeah you, you know like you get like some extra energy or, or something like you're like oh, i want to do something exactly. you're like shattered but you're like ready to like i call it i call it on. i call it like the fizz the fizz the fizz, fizz. <laughs> that's the fizz. the fizz. My grandma died. I got a I got pretty good fizz. case of the fizz it's, it's right got now. The fizz, yeah. But it's, it's also just like, um, shit. What was I gonna say? Oh uh, fuck! I don't even know. This <laughs> I don't know. This. Yeah, I don't know. Well, it's, I think it's great that that you're becoming more of a feeler, Keith. Because uh, this whole time, I thought you were more of a thinker. But pretty you're hard, a little yeah. sensitive guy. I'm, there, I'm more you? of a feeler, I think, when it comes to films. Like, I think that's why I get bothered by the superfluous, like fucking thought and analytics that go into film sometimes but 
don't know. And that, that's what I'm trying to say. I, like I said this last episode, I think Tarkovsky is more of a feeling yeah. filmmaker, even though he thinks of himself... He's like, I'm a philosophical humanist. You know, that's a feeler, dude. Like, you know what <laughs> yeah. I mean? That's like what uh, yeah, that is. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, I don't know. I'll probably go back to the sacrifice at some point, but I just need a break right, yeah. from his stuff in general just because it's so goddamn heavy. Like, <laughs> all of it's so yeah. heavy. <laughs> Too much mustard, okay. dude. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, there's something, I don't know. I want to rewatch the ending of the sacrifice, but it doesn't have the same impact unless you go through the yeah, whole journey of the, the sacrifice. Again, yeah. yeah. So... But oh, that's I'm, what I was gonna say. It's it's depressing to me because you could feel the fact that he know like every, the culmination of his weird life, and then knowing that he's about to die, and you can just like feel it. You're just like, oh man, dude, <laughs> taking this to heart from you, man. Yeah. This is this yeah. is brutal, but it's good. Totally it's brutal. Good, so. These are like movies that like I want to own because I don't want to have any reason to not plug them in when I feel like watching. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like they're kind of important. Yeah, to me, and I want, I want to know more about them. Yeah, y- you know what I mean. Like, if I were to like buy a painting, I'm not looking at that painting like every day. But when I look at it, I'm like, gonna spend some time like looking at it. Y- you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, like don't a- buy the sacrifice yet because it's gonna come out in that really nice remastered oh, version. Yeah, dude. No, in I, I want to watch the bad version. No, I'll just no. bootleg it. Remastered. No. Yeah. I, I definitely stalker in the sacrifice. I want to pick up ASAP. Stalkers on Criterion. Honestly, dude, I like because it's you know some filmmakers do this where when they're making a film or devising a film, they'll uh, create a list of films they want like their their production crew to watch or the actors to watch or whoever. For sure. And developing like a sitcom right now, I'm kind of just tempted to tell people like, dude, watch the sacrifice because like. I, I like this like I don't know I don't I like watching stuff that sort of relates to what I'm working on currently to kind of learn but at the same time I get the like I get value out of watching something that has nothing to do with it because yeah. like it's interesting to to compare to bring those ideas together in one film yeah. right so I'm kind right. of tempted to just be like guys if we're gonna work on this here's my list of films I think you should watch one yeah. of them is gonna be the sacrifice yeah that's cool and right. I'm gonna be like this is gonna be hard as shit to watch yeah, yeah. But, but truck through it yeah you know. Um, so we'll see, but uh, yeah, I I wanted wanted to say stalker, but it was the sacrifice surprisingly, Sweet. and you guys nailed it, which is good. So two stalkers and one sacrifice. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, so I feel like this is the rare time where I'm the one where I don't I'm not the one on the opposite end. <laughs> right, right. You know, because right. normally I'm the one who likes the yeah. other movie. Yeah, yeah. so it's kind of weird. Kind of cool. <laughs> yeah, you're, about. you're in the Byron camp right now. <laughs> oh, God, that's a horrible camp to be in. <laughs> cool, man. Well, Nazi joke. I think that's a <laughs> in, insert. <laughs> you're like, oh my God. I guess you didn't even have to say anything. Yeah. Yeah. But not, no. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I feel like that's a good good wrap up to Tarkovsky. I feel like we tackled. Um, this guy who's pretty legendary yeah. who's pretty dense you know there's something we were kind of building up i think to these two episodes yeah i'm looking uh, forward to it, so. to checking out nostalgia and the mirror and maybe andre rublev down the road you yeah. know Just, oh to answer that question too for me it's the mirror i really want to watch the mirror oh yeah out of yeah. all those oh and, yeah. and then nostalgia and then andre andre rublev i just like I don't know, man. That time period and that character, I just don't give a shit Dude, but about. But the orgy sequence, man. Right. But the whole, yeah. Uh, the orgy sequence. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, just watch that out of context. Okay, yeah. It's actually, it's a pretty interestingly shot scene. 
That'd be yeah. interesting to see. But it's it's <laughs> it's his longest film and might have to be watched in in parts. And the know, ending, man, it's good for the ending. The yeah. payoff is cool. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. Um, um, but so I do want to see the mirror. I have a great quote that we could probably end on. Do it. I think would be really nice. It has to do with sound, which we didn't really talk about. So maybe we could leave the listeners thinking about sound because we are literally sound in their ears. Okay, so this is from uh, his book, Sculpting in Time, and this is about um, basically Stalker, uh, the, the, you know, the movie. So he says, I should like to hope that it, was never be- uh, that it has never been a flat illustration of what was happening on the screen to be felt as a kind of emotional aura around the objects shown in order to force the audience to see the image in the way I wanted. In every instance, music and cinema, f- for me, is a natural part of our resonant world, a part of human life. Nevertheless, it is quite possible that in a sound film that is realized with complete theoretical consistency, there will be no, pla- no place for music. It will be replaced by sounds in which cinema co- constantly discovers new levels of meaning. That is what I was aiming for at... That, w- that is what I was aiming at in Stalker and Nostalgia. It may be that in order to make the cinematic image sound authentically in its full... Uh, oh my god. I don't know that word. Uh, <laughs> uh, sound authentically, music has to be abandoned. For strictly speaking, the world has transformed by cinema and the world has transformed by music are parallel and conflict with each other. Uh, properly organized in a film, the resonant world is musical in its essence, and that is the true music of cinema. Wow. Cool. So I just thought that yeah. was kind of nice. I think it's a great way yeah. to end it. I like that. Because it does make a lot of sense, what he's saying. When you reflect on his films, and I think yeah, that's definitely. the part where we're at right now. Like I feel like we kind of made this journey, got got to this point that was built up, and now it's like, I don't know. I feel... See, I love just living in mustard, though. Using Jacob's phrase. The mustard, yeah. <laughs> I can do it. I mean, I, I can do it all the time. I just love it. It's yeah. just great. But Lots of feeling. Yeah, awesome. it's pretty uh, sweet. Good way to end it. So pretty if sweet. you have any questions or opinions, send an email to btbfilmspodcast at gmail.com. You can also visit our Facebook page to comment on or discuss this week's episode or any of the past episodes. Um, if you like them, please rate it five stars. Or rate, review, just something uh, wherever you listen because it helps others find us. Uh, we got actually getting this new analytics that we got. We got a lot of people on iTunes, uh, Sweet. The Apple platform listening. So that's a great place to rate. Please just take 30 seconds and just throw a rating up there. Um, you can also follow us on Letterboxd at JCFoltz24 for Jacob and Hyperion Creator for me. Uh, I did some a little bit deeper reviews i guess of the last two films we did so if you're interested more in that and the opinion side um check that out um next week we're gonna be doing something entirely different because we all kind of need a break and we're all talking about how we wanted to jump into something different before we started recording so uh, next week we're gonna be talking about anime anime films and we're gonna do a two-parter and we're gonna kick it off with akira and perfect blue for the first part and Jinro and uh, Neon Genesis Evangelion for part two. So make sure you watch Akira and Perfect Blue for the next episode. And thanks for listening. Thanks, guys. Bye. <laughs> so, so melancholy. Good, yeah, you need to be more melancholy, I think. Bye. Bye. Goodbye.